Welcome to the Age-Friendly Dayton Podcast. This is a program showcasing insights and fascinating stories about the many age-friendly achievements happening in Dayton. Please welcome your host, Age-Friendly Dayton champion Donna Kastner and producer Terry O'Brien. Hey there, Donna. This is episode number four. Number four. All right. What is what? What does that mean to you? Having episode number four. Episode number four it means volunteerism. That's going to be our big theme today. So we're going to talk about people who want to volunteer after they've retired from their primary job. Yeah, and volunteerism as a wonderful uh, framework for designing this next life chapter. And I'm really excited. Later in this show, we're going to be talking to Joni Watson, who models volunteerism in this encore chapter in a, in a number of wonderful ways. But volunteerism has been the lifeblood of retirement. Often when people retire, you know, a good portion of them might explore volunteerism. But something, Terry, when COVID happened, volunteerism in general subsided. There was a dip. Did it never come back? It's starting to. Right. Um, so that's why I thought now might be a good time to talk about this as we're in this post-COVID stage. But volunteerism for many nonprofits, it's the lifeblood of their nonprofit. And there are so many groups in need. Think about today, you know, lots of need. There's no no shortage of right. needs out there or challenges that need attention. And when I look at people living longer and these retirees who are too young to be done, often volunteerism is kind of a good next step to explore as they're starting to figure out what this next life chapter looks like. There it is. There's that saying again. I love it. That should be the name of the podcast. Too young to be done. Too young to be done. And now what? And by the way, did you know that people that volunteer, did you know that that's actually um, a longevity driver? When, you, when you're engaged in things, engaged in volunteer activities that fill you up, that connect with things you're passionate about, right. that actually is a great health lifter. Yeah. I, I actually, I found when I retired that I needed to figure out how to fill the the nights that I would have normally been on the road traveling or in business meetings, right? So I started volunteering and being on boards uh, for the Historical Society and the Arts Commission for Centerville and and other ones like that, right? So that would would start to fill in those gaps, and it really has helped me. So Terry, I'm going to flip the. I need to ask you a couple of questions. Oh, That's very feel interesting. Free. So as you saw that. You yeah. know, did you put the, how did that happen? Did did those board opportunities come through invitations or did you put the word out? Hey, I'm interested. One person knew me, said, I understand you're retiring. You, you, would you like to be on the Centerville, Washington historical board? Uh, I said, maybe, what does that mean, right? And I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know, does that mean I got to show up and write a bunch of documents, things I didn't want to do? But basically, it just meant you got involved with the activities of that organization. So on the Centerville Arts Commission, right? What did that mean? You go to a monthly meeting, you talk about the projects for the summer, you help organize those projects for the summer. So it keeps you involved. Yeah. And it happened just because one person knew me and then another person knew me. And the next thing you know, you're in this network of people that you had no idea existed prior to retirement, right? And now you're kind of in that network and you're living amongst those folks now. So it's a whole different world, but it's great. I love it. Well, and I think about volunteerism and candidly, this is me, this is the uh, outspoken New Yorker here. Um, (laughs) 
you know, I think volunteerism is a little broken. I think we, as far as how we recruit and engage volunteers, right? Um, I think there's this one size fits all kind of thing. I don't know about you, but there are times throughout my life that I've raised my hand to volunteer, and then I was just kind of plunked in a, in a role. Hey, we need more of this. Can you go do that? And it wasn't what for whatever reason it wasn't the right fit for me. It might right. be a, a, a task I'm not good at. Or well, um, people people often associate volunteerism with churches. Right, which is nothing wrong. It's great being volunteer at your church, but there's so many things outside of the church community, things in your own city, your own towns, where they need you to help. You know, with a pantry to, to, for food for the you know the, uh, the the people who need food for the holidays or whatever it is, staffing that, just being part of something that is greater than you makes you feel good. And I think it is that <clears throat> matchmaking of sorts. So the matchmaking one is is the cause something I care about. And then the matchmaking is also the role you take on. So, you know, some, for some people, being that greeter and, and bringing people in and having conversations is just exactly the superpower that they're looking to focus on in their in their encore chapter. For others, it might be going through a giant spreadsheet of data and making sense of that data, building pivot tables. I mean, there's... Yeah, so things they like to do that they did in maybe in their past Versus, life, right? you know, yeah. if you take an introvert and say, hey, can you greet all our people? Like, holy cow. Right. Um, so, wrong role, wrong time could be difficult. Yeah, that, that's what happens was when I, being on boards, then they knew I had a talent for uh, audio and video production. I ended up helping them with audio and video production issues or things they needed. So it fit my fit So your my network came into play. Someone knew you. They yeah. knew the superpowers you had, and they said, hey. Superpowers. You like that? <laughs> I do like that. I, I, dun, 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 dun. But I got to tell you, there's so much here that to explore, and I think so many opportunities. I will tell you, this past year, uh, through the Dayton Foundation, I partnered up with United Way, and we were looking at this volunteer piece together, and we did like a showcase, because I also think that there's, there's an appetite for sampling. Like, so what is out there? And I'm afraid if I join and do it, then yeah. I'm gonna, how do I unclick that Correct. box, right? I've so done that, yeah. If you got the wrong one, then you're kind of a little reluctant. So we were starting to ho- host um, volunteer showcases where it was quick looks, Here's an opportunity. Here's the organization. Where'd your host those at? We did it at the Dayton Foundation. The United Way partnered with us, and it was wonderful. So we're exploring that, another showcase for 24. But I think there's a need almost to shop. And I asked, I understand, I'm like... Some people, when they raise their hand to volunteer, it's like now you're like going to be getting 17 emails a month and, right. and overwhelmed. And I said, you know, people sometimes need a really short-term commitment, like I'll come into an event and do a couple of hours and come out. And uh, I just want to see what the work is like. I want to try it. I want to see who I'm surrounded by. I, I honestly believe these are the unspoken things that this New Yorker is going to talk about, but right. that's what either makes or breaks a volunteer activity. And someone once told me, Donna, that's episodic volunteerism versus I'm now I'm in your list and I'm going to get hit with 700 requests. All right. So how do I, let's just say I, I retired yesterday and I want to be a volunteer. Where do I go find volunteering opportunities? Is there yeah. a place to do that? Um, another brilliant question. <clears throat> uh, I, I think those places are emerging. 
uh, like as far as where, to where do to? I find them? Yeah. I will tell you. So Alan Shashim, who retired from Procter & Gamble, he's now involved with SCORE, and he created a, a website, DaytonServes.org, that actually lists, I think there's hundreds of nonprofits just in the Dayton area, and it lists the nonprofits link to their website, some thoughts on what they're looking for. So there are websites like that that people can start to shop. Yeah. Um, and then there are other platforms. I was looking, actually, knowing we were going to talk about this today, there's a volunteermatch.org. So there's even national platforms that you can shop around. And by the way, did you know that virtual volunteering is starting to emerge as an option? So I might not go in person. I might do something, you know, from home, a remote volunteer gig is this like okay volunteer match like swipe right for a good one swipe left for a, <laughs> i can't remember how it goes i, I don't want to represent i'm not a representative <laughs> of them but i'm just saying we're starting to explore new ways to figure out but back to your example often the best opportunities happen when someone knows us right and sees a gift we've been given and a match to how we might share that gift with others um, and then I'm going to go full circle to the health benefits. You know, everybody wants to age in place, stay engaged, um, you know, keep, keep things going, you know. Right. Um, volunteerism can be a micro. It can just be a few hours each week. And the benefits, I was reading um, older adults who volunteer exhibit all kinds of health benefits, reduced hypertension, lower mortality rates, delayed physical disability, enhanced cognition. The list goes on. I'm not a doctor. I can't guarantee that for you. But there's a lot of indicators that volunteerism has benefits for healthy aging. Well, let me tell you the one I think is the most critical. It makes you kind of feel good about yourself. How about that? You know? Yeah. And I think once you once you experience that, you want more of it. You want to share with others. You want to help others. Well, the, part of the reason that I, I like doing it now is if I spent the good part part of my life chasing money, right? Always trying to get more money, create a better business, all those kind of things, right? And to put that aside and to say, okay, now I'm here to how can I make life of others better? Yep. Right? That, that really hits home to me because before we chase so much about the material things, the money things, and now we're saying, how can we give back? You know what's so funny? <laughs> so you're hitting on this thing. Um, here's my New Yorker coming out again. When I meet with people that are moving into their Encore chapter, the first question I ask is, do you want to make a buck or do you want to make a difference? Oh, um, great, yeah. And that is a crossroads where there are you know, different pathways and different strategies to make that happen. So I'm thrilled that we're touching on this today, but we're going to be talking to someone that has done this magnificently, Joni Watson. Well, why don't we take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk to Joni here. Sounds good. All right. We'll be right back, folks. Thanks to the Del Mar Incor Fellows Initiative at the Dayton Foundation for making this age-friendly Dayton podcast possible since 2017, the Dayton Foundation has deployed numerous highly skilled older adults into the community to work as Del Mar Encore Fellows to help communities solve problems and create new opportunities. Thank you again to the Dayton Foundation for making this age-friendly Dayton podcast possible. Well, Donna, we're back from our break. Tell me who we have sitting across from you. Oh, Terry, we have an amazing person joining us today, Joni Watson. And Joni is the Communications Outreach 
and intake specialist at Bruner Literacy Center. Say that three times really fast. Really. But I got to tell you, Joni's an extraordinary person and a friend. And it's really interesting because our paths crossed a couple of times across a long span of time. But I'm watching Joni and she's living her best Encore chapter. I mean, no one's doing it better than Joni. So Joni, welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. And How'd you guys meet? Yeah, yeah. I was telling uh, Terry earlier. So we were both working at the shed. On Brown Street, correct? On Brown Street, near Old Hickory. We were both, this is way back in the 70s when I was a student at UD. And um, we even, I think for a summer, lived in the, in the same place. And then we went off on our own different directions and didn't see each other for 40 years. And I walk into a room at the Dayton Foundation, and all of a sudden, like in an instant, we recognized each other, and I'm so glad. It might have been a big pause there, but I had a great time with Joni then. Now I'm thrilled that our paths have crossed again, and it is tremendous watching her. I know in this, the theme for this show has been volunteerism. Right. She's an amazing steward for that, but I think maybe we got to kind of step back and, and maybe look at what you're doing right now. Right now, I am employed by the Bruner Literacy Center as a community outreach and intake specialist. So what that means is I go out into the community, do resource tables, I do presentations, all about the Bruner Literacy Center. And tell us about the Bruner Literacy yeah, I don't know Center. What that is what is that? Neither did I actually. I was a teacher for 35 years in Dayton Public, and I had never heard of the Bruner Literacy Center. I knew that I had parents that couldn't speak English, or parents that had low literacy skills. So when I retired, I was panicked about what am I going to do because I'm pretty Type A and I love to work. So someone said, apply for the Dayton Foundation Fellowship. So when I looked at it, the Bruner Literacy Center was one of the host organizations that was offered. And I did my research and found out that we are a free one-on-one adult tutoring center. So we work with adults that are 19 years and older, and we can help them get their GED. We can help English language learners learn to read and write and speak English. And that's what we do. So, do you do this at a like a uh, like a classroom? Is this or where, how do you train these folks? If you're meeting with someone, are you meeting with them in their home? How, where are you doing this? No, at? we don't go into homes. A lot of people come to the Bruner Literacy Center, which is located on the corner of Shiloh Springs and Denlinger, and or they can meet at a library. We don't go into people's homes, okay. and it's one on one. It's not classes. Got it. So, and, and when did you retire? I retired two and a half years ago. Wow. And when did you interview for the fellowship? <laughs> I actually interviewed during my last month of working. And people laugh at me and joke around with me because I was only retired for two weeks. <laughs> What's really cool, and I asked that question very purposefully, because Joni just, she's moving into each life stage and she's open to opportunities. And then people around her know her. And uh, appreciate, you know, the gifts she has. So it's others saying, hey, you should look at this. And she walked through that door and look where it's led you. I mean, I I just watch and your fellowship and then eventually working directly for Bruner. Correct. And you're in a part-time capacity. So there's flexibility as we all want in this chapter or many of us want in this next life chapter. 
I've been really fortunate, and I feel so blessed with the opportunities that I've been given. Um, you know, what it's that saying, too much that is given, you must give back. And I certainly believe in that. Volunteerism has always been very important to me. And I'm very community-minded. I've served on a lot of community um, things, and I, I do a lot in the community, and that's part of my heart and soul, is working in the community. So, the, Terry, the fellowship, there's a modest stipend, so modest, um, <laughs> that, so that would be paid work, and then, but as I mentioned, Joni's such a champion for volunteerism, and you're engaged with, an, you know, give us some examples of, of volunteer um, assignments that you've pursued. So I'm very, when I first started at the Bruner Literacy Center, community outreach is what I did. I developed a coalition of nonprofits that dealt with people with low literacy. So someone said to me, have you heard about the Dream Center? And I said, what is that? The Dream Center is on the corner of East 3rd and Monmouth. And it was started, and the idea came from Living Word Church, Pastor Pat. And they opened it up. Like right after COVID, they took an old church and they basically serve the homeless. So homeless people can go there for lunch. They can go there for dinner. They can take showers there. They can get clothing there. They can do their laundry there or any um, like tons of services. So the Dream Center, when I met with them and toured it, it just struck something with me. So I usually volunteer there twice a week. Wow. Okay. So real quick, because... Uh, you're a fascinating person, but you were a teacher for a number of years, correct? Correct. I was an art teacher for 35 years. I love that. And then I also was the vice president of the Dayton Education Association, the union. Right. Which led me into doing, um, I do presentations for the NEA on women's leadership. So are you, are you an artist? Who has time? <laughs> my community work is my art. Well, I really don't. Have, I don't. You know, after you teach art for thirty-five years, I don't know. Maybe other people would, but I'd rather be in the community. I keep marveling though at Joni, and I just felt like she was a good example of moving into this next chapter with eyes wide open and kind of moving and seeing where there's need. Which it sounds like throughout your life, you've always had an aptitude for spotting needs and then addressing what you can. In this Encore chapter, there's a little more flexibility of time. And I think for some people, that flexibility is overwhelming. Not sure what to do. And I watch you, Joni. And not only I learn from you. And by the way, Terry, she's she's very um, good at sharing on Facebook, like on social channels. Here's a picture. She's out working for Bruner Literacy Center, meeting with these people. She's a marketer, is what you. Basically, she really. She promoter. might be a yeah, teacher by trade, but yeah. she's a marketer. <laughs> but and she's an inspirer. I actually think she just puts oh, things thanks. out there, inspires others to be mindful. Because if we stay in our own little echo chamber, we don't see where needs are. And I just think you do a really nice job. And it's not like you're preaching at it. You're just doing it. You're living it. Yeah. So and, were you worried when you were coming to the? You knew you were going to retire. Were you worried about, what am I going to do? It was a horrible, that whole decision was horrible because I had planned on working five more years. Even though I taught for 35 years, which is retirement, right. I planned on working for five more years because I still loved what I did. And when I student taught, my cooperating teacher said, retire when you still love it. And I did. But it was like a perfect storm for me. 
I the year I retired was the first year of COVID. Oh yeah. Dayton Public offered a retirement mm-hmm. incentive for people like me that had the years that you know were at top of the sure. uh, of the pay scale. So it just kind of was a perfect storm. And I was panicked. I was really panicked because I, it's like, what am I going to do now? Because for some of us, or probably quite a few of us, what we do is our identity. And oh, yeah. I was just panicked. So everything, just a friend of mine said, like you said, Donna, someone said to me, Joni, have you thought about this? And sent me the posting for the fellowship. So I was really blessed. The Dayton Foundation and the fellowship truly changed my life. Um, it introduced me to things, and it also made me realize just how, I mean, I always knew I was a good art teacher, but it made me realize just how valuable my skills are. Now, are you teaching art at all? No. No? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have time. Okay. You know, I, um, I'm on a couple of boards. Um, you know, the saying, it takes a village, well, I feel that we're the village, so, and, and that's something that I share with my coalition. It's my tagline on all the emails that I send out to all of our members of our coalition because we're the village. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Right. Okay. Well, she's absolutely fa- fantastic person to talk to about this. Truly. Oh, and I think you. there are people listening. So I guess my design was, you know, let's inspire other folks if they're thinking about it and they're not sure. Joni, if you had advice and now having navigated through this path and it's like the foundation almost seemed like that great turn to this Correct. next chapter. Others are listening. They, they may not have your lens. It may seem overwhelming. What could they do to start exploring volunteerism, civic engagement, um, you know, as part of their encore? You know, the Brunner Literacy Center, we exist through the generosity of others. And all of our tutors are volunteers. And we need volunteers. And you don't have to be a teacher because we can train you. You don't have to write curriculum. You don't have to write lesson plans because we do that all for you. Most of our volunteers are retired people because we have the time. Um, so we really need volunteers, not desperately, but, you know, we're, we have so many students. They're, the need is so great in our community. Can I ask a question about the students? Sure. Where are you finding, where are you finding the, the hole is in the educational system? Where, where, is it because the kids aren't being taught in the normal when they go from 1 to 12? Or is it... Is it uh, kids with coming from a different country? Where where's the biggest thing that you're you're tackling? I think it's a mixture of some of everything. I don't know that I would say it's because they're not being taught. I think sometimes um, maybe their parents didn't have a good experience with school, so that drills down to the students. Yeah, they're quitting school. Um, life becomes too overwhelming for um, you know different reasons. Um, we have a lot of English language learners, immigrants, newcomers that are coming to this country, and and there's a fallacy that people think well they could speak and read and write in their own language and their other country. Sometimes they couldn't because some of them or a lot of them are coming from war torn countries where maybe they didn't even go to school there. So there's so many different reasons why people have low literacy. Poverty is a huge you know, factor. Sure. So is is there an emotional aspect of this where you're sitting down with somebody who may be struggling with, with education and you're actually help, helping, not just helping them teach, but helping them cope? I am so glad you asked that. When someone... Uh, 
contacts us at the Bruner Literacy Center, and it's for people, adults 19 and older, we do an intake with them. And when people walk in, you can see the shame and the fear in their faces. And we try to make the intake as comfortable as possible because we want them to, you know, to get their GED or to learn to read and write and speak English. So there's so much that goes into that, but we work very diligently to make them comfortable and to make them feel seen and respected. Well, that's very great. How many people are currently at this, the center? Do you have a rough Students, idea? Students? I don't know. What about teachers? As tutors? Yeah. You know, I really don't know all of that. It's probably on our website. Okay. But... The, you asked about the tutors and the students. Um, we have one tutor and student that have been together for 10 years. Oh, wow. Um, they are very close. They've been through so much of life together. Our tutors and the students are very close with each other because they meet at least once a week. Okay. And how often are you there teaching yourself? I don't teach at all. So you're kind of running, helping run? No, I I do all of the community outreach. Okay. So what that looks like is if someone needs a presentation about Bruner Literacy, I do that. I go to Five Rivers Health Center about every other week and do a resource table. I'm involved with Easton Community Center. Uh, I do resource tables for them, lots of community events. It's one of my favorite aspects of the job. So you're going out and preaching the gospel, so to speak. Absolutely. Okay. And then I tell, and then I always throw in about the Dream Center too because they need. <laughs> volunteers too so there you have it we're starting to kind of get dig into this volunteer element here's one opportunity of several and if you listen to Joni there's just so much here so um, I guess if people are intrigued and they want to connect with you or they want to explore Bruner Literacy Center what would they do well first of all if you want a tour we love having people come out and visit like I said we're on the corner of Shiloh Springs and Denlinger near the old Salem Mall just give us a call or you can volunteer and find out about our volunteer opportunities by going to our website. That's brunerliteracy.org. It's B-R-U-N-N-E-R-L-I-T-E-R-A-C-Y.org. And just check us out. Wonderful. And we'll have that website in the show notes for this episode as well. So lots to explore there. Yeah, Jody, I do have one question for you before we wrap up. <clears throat> your life as a teacher and your life as a volunteer how would you rate them? I mean, how do you compare them? Are, are they equal? Or did you prefer teaching more than volunteering? What? I think they're equal. Okay. I think it's, it's where you're at in your life. Different things are different at points of your life. I don't know that I could be in a classroom right now at this stage of my life. Um, it's a hard job. I have a lot of respect for the teachers and the support staff that are out there and the administration because... The students are really different. COVID did such a number on on children and on staff. It's really hard. So, and then what I do now, I love what I do now. So I think that in life, where you're at is what you make it. Right. Okay. Well, I great concur place to with that, boy. Right role, right stage of life. Right. Yep. Well, uh, I think that's pretty good. I, I don't know what else I could ask, Joni. <laughs> Joni, thank you so much, not only for chatting with us today, but for all you do in the community. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Joni. Thank you. So, Terry, I told you, Joni is 
volunteer extraordinaire. Man, she was something else. I got to tell you, she's got more energy than both of us put together. More energy and more heart. I'm telling you, she spots things. She connects people. She's just a generous go-giver. I agree. I, she was a fantastic guest. And I know that we're working on our f- future lineups of people that will be down here. Right. So our whole purpose here, folks, is that we're sharing stories. We're pointing you to thought leaders in our communities to help you explore what you might do in this next chapter. So with that in mind, we hope you'll channel in next time for us as we line up the next set of exciting guests. Thank you all for...